I remember my husband was laying on the bed. He was watching TV. And I don't know why, instead of using the changing table, I just put it on the bed and tried to change her quickly. And my husband said like, Steph, please, can you move? I cannot see. And my son was like, Mama, no escuchas. Es que papá no puede ver. And we were <laughs> like, what? Like, you know, he was translating. And we were shocked because we didn't know at that point that he could actually understand everything we were saying. And, you know, he translated in, in his head, you know. So, yes, it's incredible. It's all in there. It's all in there. You just have to give him the opportunity to actually execute. Is it possible to raise multilingual children with minimum effort? Is it possible for children to acquire language knowledge just by listening? In this case study, Stephanie Salas, a Latina mom of two living in Belgium, shares with us how she's raising her children to speak four languages. Join us as we talk about the methods her family is using, the importance of language exposure, and her advice for moms everywhere. Plus, we talk about the different accents we pick up, her favorite Mexican dish to pass down, and I share some tips she can practice as her children get older. Yo, a Latina mom, bilingual parenting educator, and now author Jenny Perez, te invito as we take a closer look. Así que no te lo pierdas. Hola, hola, ¿cómo estás? I hope that you're doing well. I hope the life is treating you kind. Welcome to another episode of the Latina Mom Legacy Podcast. I am your host, Jenny Perez. If you would like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at mi legacy, spelled M-I-L-E-G-A-S-I, or at the Latina Mom Legacy. I would love to hear from you. As we continue to wrap up season four, I encourage you to sign up for La Lista for our newsletter. Uh, you can sign up at milegacy.com or at the Latina Mom Legacy. And in this newsletter, you'll continue to receive updates on events, on blog posts, on anything that's happening in our community. So just because we're taking a podcast break doesn't mean that we're taking a full break. So you can continue to get inspired, encouraged, you can continue to get freebies and all the good stuff in your newsletter. So be sure to check that out. I want to wish all the dads that are listening a happy Father's Day. I know I'm a little late. Our Father's Day was lovely. We just spent time at home. It was also my mom's birthday. So uh, I went to pick up my sister and my mom from the airport. And I was a little stressed out because their flight had been massively delayed due to the weather. But gracias a Dios, they made it. They made it home well here to my home anyway. Llegaron bien. And we celebrated. I barbecued and... It was very cool because we listened to a snippet of the interview that I did for my dad when I interviewed him for Father's Day. And I also interviewed other dads. So that was season two, episode 13. We listened to these stories and it was just very special. And we laughed and we cried and, and it was just very nice. And he was like, typical, like, bota, sombrero, <laughs> um, walking around with all these other dads. <laughs> And my dad worked as a truck driver, and I remember him getting up super early to go to work, and on the weekends... He's really the one that sits uh, on the floor, plays with them, love houses with them. Same thing, we'll, you know, just stand up and just start dancing with them. And he's been Mr. Mom, <laughs> and he's been so cute, and he's the best dad in the world. My husband just hung out and opened gifts, and it was just a, a nice day that we shared uh, in familia, you know, the family, and uh, it's moments like these that I treasure because as our parents begin to get older and as we get older and as our children get older as well, you want to take the time to acknowledge and be grateful for these moments because 
<laughs> Time doesn't stand still. And before you know it, they're graduating, they're off to college, and our parents are getting older. And you know, you don't have these moments anymore. So if you had a wonderful Father's Day, and if you weren't able to share with your family, or with your father figures, then that is truly, truly a blessing. Other than that, just enjoying my family as they continue to stay here. Next week will be the last episode of the season. I have a little surprise next week, así que no te pierdas el episodio. Y nada, today I have Stephanie Salas. She's a bilingual, uh, multilingual actually. She's a multilingual Latina mom all the way from Belgium. She is sharing her amazing story and tips on how to help raise multilingual children effortlessly. So she has some key, key tips that are going to help you and your family raise uh, bilinguals and potentially multilingual children. Así que espero que te guste. Y nada, I'll, I'll talk to you soon. Ciao, ciao. I am here today with Stephanie Salas. Stephanie is a multilingual and multi-parenting mom. And I am excited to learn all about her journey. And we're going to do a little bit of a case study here today. But first, Stephanie, tell us a little bit about yourself. About myself. Well, I was born in Mexico City. My mother is Panamanian. My dad is Mexican. So I'm half and half. I actually learned English when I was growing up. I was like two years old and I went to an American school. So that's where I learned English and that's where my bilingual journey started. Then, well, life took me to Panama. And a few years later, I think it was fate. I do believe it was fate. I came to Belgium to study. And I got married here to a Dutch man. Here in Brussels, we actually speak more French, but it's in theory a bilingual community. But French is like the main language. And that's a little bit about how all the languages came across in my household with the children. So how many children do you have? I have an almost five-year-old and an almost two-year-old girl. So one boy, one girl? Yes. Okay. And you mentioned that the community language there is French. What about in the home? What do you speak at home? With my husband, I speak English. So we speak English together. I speak Spanish with the children and he speaks Dutch with them. But again, the community language is French. So all the environment, they're surrounded by French most of the time when we go out. Why was it important when you had children that you raised them multilingual? Well, first of all, it was important to me that they actually spoke Spanish because I do believe that we should speak the language of our heart to our children. So I think that bond is very special and very important. As well, the community language is kind of important because if they're going to grow up here, it's very important that they speak French. And I do believe that his father has the same idea about having this bond with the language. So, of course, that's how he decided as well to speak Dutch because at some point we said like, well, maybe one of us should speak English, but none of us wanted to let go that bond with the language. <laughs> and in the end, most Europeans actually learned to speak English very early on. So luckily, my son is very observant and he passively learned a lot of English. So I think that's how it kind of developed naturally, I guess, very organically with the languages. When you and your husband had this conversation, like that you were going to speak Spanish to the children and he was going to speak Dutch, at that point, did you have an idea in terms of what you wanted your children's proficiency level to be? Like, were you thinking like, mm, no, yo quiero que hable, que escriba, que, que todo sea perfecto en español? Like, did you want them to read, speak, and write in Spanish? 
fluent or were you okay just them having a basic knowledge of the language? Honestly, in the beginning, I never thought through how I wanted the proficiency level to be. I just wanted them to be able to speak to me and to be able to communicate properly. I guess that as time passed by, I kind of engaged more because I started, of course, doing research. And I see the children around me that most of them didn't speak Spanish to their parents because I know a lot of children that actually speak Spanish with their parents, but they don't actually speak Spanish. They reply in French. So I was mm-hmm. very curious listening to people around like when they talk to their children in Spanish and they always replied in French. So I was always curious and asking questions when I heard these kind of things mm-hmm. in the street, you know, because I was very curious. So I started trying to figure out what to do to avoid this because I realized that it was important to me that they actually replied in Spanish to me. That's how I started getting more into the proficiency level that I wanted to offer to my children and how to build it up. And I think I was lucky that everything kind of happened organically and I didn't put much effort. I was very lucky that he has a very good foundation in Spanish, my son at least, because COVID hit and we didn't find a place in the creche, which is the kindergarten. It was very complicated to find childcare. And as I didn't find childcare, he stayed with me until he was two and a half. And that helped so much because he had a very good base in Spanish once he started the kindergarten at two and a half, that it's all in Dutch. So the kindergarten there is in Dutch. And is it that particular school that's in Dutch or all the schools there in Dutch? Remember, the community language is in French. Brussels is a bilingual state. So normally, since it's a bilingual state, there are schools that are in French, there are schools that are in Dutch, and there's some schools that are half and a half. Whatever fits best with your family, that's what you go for. Since normally the Dutch-speaking schooling is better, it's well known that it's better. And he actually speaks Dutch with his father. We decided that it was best that he goes to a Dutch-speaking school. Well, it's actually not called Dutch here. It's Flemish because Dutch is from Holland, from the Netherlands. Flemish is the Belgian way to talk about Dutch. So he goes to the Flemish school and life decided that we're not going to find a spot for my daughter in the same school. It's very difficult to get spots where you need to. In the end, we found a spot at a French-speaking crash. So my daughter goes Mm -hmm. to her childcare in French. Oh, very interesting. So is your son going to be getting French at the Flemish school? Not really. But as I told you, I'm very fortunate that everything is happening very organically with him and he picks it up. I decided with my husband that it was best to do, for example, extracurricular activities in French. When he goes to the park, he wants to talk to the children. So he learns words and he learns things. And after he started school, we engaged him in different extracurricular activities like summer camps. And in all the vacation periods, he goes to something that is called in French stash, which actually means that it's kind of childcare, but it's fun. And he always goes in French. So his French level with this exposure has been increasingly helping him to get very proficient. It's very surprising that just with a few weeks here and there in during the <laughs> vacation periods, he's picking it up quite fast. And that's the only push that we actually give for him to learn the community language. Now, your daughter is two years old. Is she uh, verbal yet? Yes. Yes, she is mixing the languages a little bit. So since she speaks Dutch with her father, French at the crash and Spanish with me, and she overhears English, she mixes a little bit of everything right now. So to talk about water, she says it sometimes, agua, water, 
but she says in Dutch, she says butter and she says de l'eau. So she mixes it, but she actually picked up, I don't know how, fine language at the crash. So she signs always for what she wants. Yeah, it's happening very naturally because we don't have a choice and it's just happening. I'm not trying to push it. I'm just happy that it's going at their own pace and they're just picking up what they need to in order to keep going with their language skills and communicate. Do you have any fears in terms of like, let's say your daughter just having more French exposure versus your son, or maybe knowing that some children just pick up languages a little bit easier? And it sounds like your son has been picking up languages easier. Do you have any fears like with your daughter or even with your son in terms of their language development? Absolutely. I fear with my daughter because my son stayed with me for two and a half years. And my daughter actually goes to the crash since she's one year old. So of course, I have a fear that Spanish is not going to be as strong as her brother's because her brother actually speaks very fluent Spanish and you wouldn't even know. But her, I can tell that she's already trying to say more things in French. Because of course, she spends from nine to six uh, there, Monday to Friday. So she spends long hours there. And I do fear that at some point, her Spanish is going to be a little bit behind. So I guess I just have to wait it out a little bit to see how it's going to develop with her. Do you see differences in terms of how your daughter has been learning or picking up the languages versus your son? It has been different. I mean, I think Matias spoke really good Spanish very fast because... He was with me all the time. His Dutch was not very developed at the time he started school at two and a half. And it's curious that the teachers were actually saying like, you know, that he's trying to talk to us in Spanish. <laughs> but I guess with the exposure at school and uh, with his father, he actually improved very fast and he leveled up in Dutch pretty fast. I didn't think that French was going to be going forward so easily because he doesn't have much exposure. But the thing is, there's a lot of French speakers in the Flemish school. So when mm. they go out to the playground, he they hears speak it. French. And that's how it has actually helped him like very organically to pick it up. One thing that I want to mention is, because I know that many of our listeners are living in the US, where bilingualism and multilingualism isn't as prevalent and definitely not as popular, is when you talk to European moms, the consensus is that many Europeans speak more than one language and they are surrounded by multiple languages. And it's important that if you are raising or want to raise a bilingual or multilingual child, that your child is exposed to the language. And I say it's not enough for them to sit and spend one hour online or one hour reading. They have to listen to the language. They have to be exposed to the language. And if there is a need to use the language even better because yeah. they're going to want to communicate. And what I like to recommend is that you have young children. The best way for children to get exposed and to learn is with other children. If you have children, yes. do play dates. Because remember, at the heart of it, children want to play. They want to engage with other children. And if they're listening to children speak in other languages, they're going to figure out a way to communicate with each other. I promise. You said that your son, when they go out to play, he hears French even in the Dutch school. So of course, yeah. he's going to pick up the French because he's curious. He wants to be able to participate with other children. And if you give children these opportunities, I know here in the US, it's a little bit more difficult. But if you do enroll them in language schools, even con sus familias, if you make it a 
point to speak cuando están juntos que hablen en español or for you to speak that minority language when you're together is providing them, again, that exposure to the language that is crucial for them to pick it up. And as you mentioned, Steph, to pick it up almost effortlessly. That is just part of their environment. Yes, absolutely. I think it's crucial that they feel the need to actually say things in different languages because if not, I don't think they engage as much as if they don't need it. At least I see it with my son. For example, my sister-in-law, she's Dutch and she moved to South Africa. South Africa, they speak Afrikaans, which is close to Dutch, not the same, but it's close. Mm -hmm. They speak English. And she started speaking English to her son and Dutch. And he went to the English speaking school there. And I could see that he was very much more comfortable in English. And when he came to visit, they're the same age, five years old, both of them, my son and my sister-in-law's son. And I could see that he was very well above in English than in Dutch. But my son, he passively heard us speaking English all his life. So he actually got something in his head. And by mm -hmm. the time his cousin came, he was speaking English to him. So for us, it was a pretty cool surprise that he actually managed to keep it in his head and somehow feel the need to use it and connect with his cousin in English. So as I told you, I think like the need and the natural need of communicating, it's really what drives children to use and to learn languages. I find it incredible that your son is learning four languages almost effortlessly just by default of being surrounded and by it, being in the community, having mom speak one language, having dad speak another language. And then another thing that I tell parents when there's the fear that their children aren't learning or aren't picking up the language is, oh, it's in there. I promise it's in there. And as you said, when they have the need to use the language. They will find the words and it will come out when you least expect it. So yeah. even if you think that they aren't, give them that opportunity for them to have to use the language and they will surprise you. Yes, absolutely. And sometimes you get surprised with the <laughs> with the tiniest things. Like, for example, you just reminded me when my daughter was born, she was like two, three months. And I remember my husband was laying on the bed. He was watching TV. And I don't know why, instead of using the changing table, I just put it on the bed and tried to change her quickly. And my husband said like, Steph, please, can you move? I cannot see. And my son was like, Mama, no escuchas. Es que papá no puede ver. And we were <laughs> like, what? Like, You know, he was translating and we were shocked because we didn't know at that point that he could actually understand everything we were saying and, you know, even translate it in, in his head, you know. So, yes, it's incredible. It's all in there. It's all in there. You just have to give them the opportunity to actually execute. This episode is brought to you by The Language Grove. Are you looking for a preschool that offers your child a unique and enriching learning experience in Spanish? Well, let me introduce you to The Language Grove. Nestled in the heart of North Hills, California, San Fernando Valley, The Language Grove believes in instilling the love of learning in each of their unique students where creativity and curiosity take center stage. Children get to experience their Spanish immersion program led by fluent native speakers. Little minds step into their outdoor classroom where nature becomes a third teacher, providing a rich academic and nurturing experience. The Language Grove embraces child-based learning, nurturing their natural curiosity, and fostering a lifelong love of discovery. Whether your child is 18 months or six years old, they have a program tailored to their unique developmental needs. 
Don't wait and join the community of learners at the Language Grove, the only all-Spanish immersion preschool program located in North Hills, California. Get 10% off tuition for the first six months when you mention the Latina Mom Legacy. Visit thelanguagegrove.com to learn more about their curriculum, philosophy, and to schedule a tour. The Language Grove, where learning comes alive in Spanish. Stephanie, what would you say to parents that perhaps want to raise bilingual or multilingual children and maybe get discouraged or maybe don't know how to do it? What would you say to those parents? I do believe that overthinking is going to be your worst enemy. I think that sometimes we really want to give our children the best in languages and all the opportunities to learn, all the opportunities to explore the language and learn. But I do think that you just have to offer because children are amazing. And as much as you offer, just offer languages, the languages that you want your child to learn and try to offer them as most natural as possible. And I think that's the best approach that we can come as as parents and not overthink, just offer, just talk, 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 and they will for sure pick it up. Of course, there are children that pick it up easier than others that are more keen on learning languages. But I do believe that doing it as natural as possible is going to be your best friend. I love that you said that because one of the things that I love to teach parents is to work with your child's natural abilities and with what they like and also with what you like. Like if you do not like to read, if you're not a reader and like books is just not your thing, why are you going to sit and force yourself to read a book if that's not what you want to do? So what I encourage, it's not to say that books aren't amazing, but perhaps go to a story time at the library or go someplace where maybe it's a bookstore where you can engage with books in a different way, where it's not that you have to sit and read to your child. And the same thing with children. If your child is naturally inclined with music, then that's a natural way for you to use music to your advantage. If they like sports, you know, engage with them in the sport in the minority language or whatever language you're trying to teach them. These are all ways that you can work naturally with them with what they like and also with what you like. And it's going to become just more effortless just because, as you said, you're not overthinking about it. You're not putting so much pressure on yourself and your children. Because at the end of the day, it has to be fun and engaging for them. Otherwise, who's going to want to sit down and just learn a language? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I like to add, like, I'm a life coach and this is something that has tremendously helped me. But I do believe that things that I learned, like, for example, telling your brain something, when you talk to yourself and tell your brain things, your brain agrees with you, whatever you tell him. So if you put pressure on yourself and if you put pressure on the child, it kind of creates like a resistance. So I do believe that doing things that you actually like, as you said, like, playing music, like playing in the languages that you want to improve. I do believe that having this approach with a child, for example, not making him feel obliged to speak, but creating the opportunity for him to actually speak without feeling this oppression of you have to, you have to. Because when people tell you like you have to do something, automatically you say like, do I have to? I don't want to. So just try to blow like more naturally, like, let's just do this. This is fun. I said several times, just create the opportunity to appreciate and just execute what you learn through the days with different languages or the language that you're trying to improve. Agree, agree 100%. 
Tell us a little bit about how you're introducing or how you share your culture and perhaps how your husband shares his culture with the children. I think that's a great question. I mean, I'm half Mexican, half Panamanian, and my husband, he's Dutch, but he has Indonesian roots. We have a very multicultural household. I think we use the same approach and we don't actually overthink it. We just do things that are natural to us. Like, for example, with food, I just cook things that I like. And I talk a little bit about what I like, why I like it, what I like about it, where it comes from. But I mean... It's not something that I do like, you know, you have to learn about. This is something that I ate when I was little. I really loved it because my mother made it for me and I explained. And he kind of gets curious like, oh, did my grandma actually cook this for you and things like this. So I think we both do the same. We just do things and we kind of just try to explain a little bit if we feel like it. If not, it's just like something we eat, for example, with food. We have a very relaxed approach because we're not like, oh, yes, he has to listen to the anthem, for example. He has to learn about the football players. Just like we propose whatever feels natural to us in terms of food, in terms of music. And of course, another way that I actually try to pass on a little bit more about my culture is when we travel, for example, to Panama because my family is there. Everyone tries to teach him about, ah, this is what the aunties cook and you know, he listens a lot about different things that happen around. He plays with his cousins. He actually sees the difference because he says that they speak weird Spanish. He said one time, <laughs> and I was a bit shocked because it sounded so funny that they speak weird Spanish. <laughs> That's interesting know. that he, even at this young age, he picked up on perhaps like the cultural differences and perhaps accents, how they say things differently than what he's used to. He notices a difference. Yes, yes. And it's really funny, you know, because when I speak Spanish, I speak weird because I mix accents. Porque cuando hablo español, mexicano, porque yo nací en México, se escucha como estoy cantando un poquito, porque le estoy poniendo atención a lo que estoy diciendo. Es normal tener este acento mexicano. But I moved to Panama y a mí no me gusta que me conguen. Entonces yo tenía que aprender cómo cambiar eso porque es que yo no quería parecer extranjera. Entonces ahí puedes escuchar cómo el acento cambia un poco. Ajá. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, when I speak Spanish with people around, like here, they're from... Latino communities with, from different countries, they always ask me like, but where are you from? Because I cannot guess because I just mix the accents. So my son, for example, once was confused because I told him like, can you put your sweater? And I meant abrigo, but I said sweater. Y él estaba confundido porque me dijo, no, mamá, este es mi abrigo. Le dije, no, este es un suéter. Pero es que en Panamá se dice suéter, pero también se dice abrigo. And he was like, what are you talking about? You know, it's like... <laughs> explain that it was the same thing because for him it's not the same thing because I mostly say sweater, you know? So as well it happened with the socks. In Panama decimos medias, pero en México decimos calcetines. He's already used to the fact that I sometimes say calcetines and I sometimes say medias. So he doesn't say much, but it's funny, you know? I mean, even with the same language, we have different words and he's like, mom, he gets confused and he tries to make sure that I'm saying the right thing because what are you saying, mom, you know? That's interesting about the accents, just because I am the same way. I grew up in Florida, but I was born in Colombia and I lived in Colombia as a teenager. So when I'm around my Colombian family, hablo con un acento paisa. But because I grew up in 
Miami, like Miami has a distinct Miami accent that's like a combination of like a Cuban American. <laughs> so yeah. when I'm in Miami, I just naturally kind of pick up the Miami accent. And because I lived so many years in Chicago and my best friend at the time was Puerto Rican, I picked up a lot of just like Puerto Rican <laughs> words and, and just sayings and stuff from her. And now I feel like my accent is like all over the place. Like when I speak Spanish, it's like, a veces me sale como mexicano, a veces me sale como cubano y a veces como colombiano. So I don't know. It's una mezcla. But it's interesting though that children learn to differentiate not only the different accents as they travel, but also the different words and how there are different meanings or different sayings for perhaps the same word. And they just expand on their vocabulary, which is even better, right? (laughs) Of course. And it's funny because now I'm thinking about something about my son because his father speaks Dutch to him, but Dutch from Holland because he's from the Netherlands. He goes to a Flemish school. So... He understands that it's different and he speaks more Flemish than Dutch, but his accent kind of changes when he talks with his grandparents and his father. And I hear it and it's amazing. It's like he speaks two different languages and it is crazy because I hear that effortless tones that he picked up. It's crazy how they're so easy to adapt to these tones that they've been hearing all their life, you know? When he speaks French, he really does the Francais, the R, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the French, and I mean, I speak French, but I have an accent. <laughs> I will never be able to speak as a native because my tongue does not allow it. I know how it sounds, but my tongue does not cooperate. <laughs> you know, it's incredible. Yeah, they say that children, especially young children, are able to pick up native accents effortlessly because it's something, it's a process that happens in the brain. And as you get older, it's much more difficult for you to be able to pick up a language without an accent or natively just because of this thing that happens in children's brain, which is why they're able to just pick up like all the little nuanced differences that we as adults miss. Like my daughter, she's learning Bulgarian. And when I listen to her read... It's incredible. Like I could hear like all the different sounds and she's been teaching me and you know, like it's fun for her. She wants to teach me. She tells me, no, but you have to do this with your tongue. And I'm like, pero si no me sale. (laughs) Yeah. It's not the same. Yeah, of course. I go through the same thing. It's funny. It's crazy. Like my son's like, no, mom, you speak Spanish, please. You don't speak good Dutch because I try. I learn Dutch. It's still hard for me to just push the barrier that I have because you have to create sentences like backwards with the verbs and everything. So for me, it's really hard. And sometimes I say things the other way around. And he's like, you don't say it like that, mom. You say duh. Exactly what you just mentioned. You know, it's like, it's not like that. You know, sometimes like he's embarrassed that I said it wrong. And I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, it's, it's just hard. Stephanie, do you have any specific recommendations for parents, like perhaps books that are your favorites in Spanish for your kids, or perhaps shows or anything online, any resources that you could share with us? It depends on which language, but honestly, I found, for example, a cartoon that my son still loves. We really enjoyed watching Pocoyo because we watched it in English, we watched it in Spanish, we watched it in French. As well, word party for like toddlers at least, because they have it in all the languages. They have it in Dutch, they have it in English, in Spanish, in French. 
And he has watched them and they're very slow paced as well. And he watched in different languages. And I think the fact that he sees the same thing in different languages, it kind of settles and helps a lot as well. Having like, I'm not a fan of putting the children in front of the TV, but I think that everything could be used as a resource. And if it's available as a resource, I think we should take the opportunity to use it as such and not abuse it. And as books, I love secondhand books. So for me, I don't have like books to recommend that you can go online. I always go here to a secondhand store where I find books in English and Spanish. I don't know if that's popular in the US or not or anywhere else around the world. But if it's an option, always take a look in the secondhand books. I find like jewels that I've gotten in Spanish, some in English, some in French, some in Dutch. I try to have a variety of books because they love like reading books with me. My husband tries to read books, but they have like the reading time with me because they kind of enjoy the voices that I do. So again, I think it's important to do it natural, like that they enjoy it. What I do is to actually make voices and change the voice. And they're like, wow, yes, these and that. So just whatever you do, whatever resource you think it's valuable for your child, just try to make it natural and try not to push it. Just make it fun. I think that's the best advice I could give to any parent that is in this bilingual, multilingual journey. Like, don't push yourself, don't push your child, and make it fun. Yes, make it fun. Stephanie, do you have any questions on bilingual parenting or multilingual parenting for me that you're curious about or would like to know more of? Well, it would be nice to know like when, for example, I heard you saying, oh, my daughter doesn't want to speak Spanish because it was not very clear if I spoke Spanish or English, but then you heard her speak Spanish to someone else. Nowadays, how is it going with her and how do you try to encourage her to speak Spanish? I think it's very important that you're clear earlier, the better. Because if your child has an understanding of who's going to speak to them in what language, then you have already set that expectation. For me, like I said, that did not happen. I knew I was going to speak to her in Spanish, but because my husband and I speak English, it, and because after living here in the US so many years, English is just my dominant language now, right? So when I transitioned, when she was born, I did speak to her a lot in Spanish. I spoke to her probably 70% in Spanish, maybe 30% in English, but it was really back and forth. So she heard me speak both languages all the time. And as she grew older, I always spoke to her in both languages. I made sure that we read in English and in Spanish. I taught her to read in Spanish very young. So the Spanish was always there. But I always found it frustrating that even if I spoke to her in Spanish, that she would respond in English. However, with my mom or with my family that only spoke Spanish, she would respond in Spanish. So it was really just with me. So what I did was I found a tutor for her from Colombia to only focus on conversation because since she was with me all the time, you know, away from school, once she started school, school was only English. I needed to make sure that even if she understood the language that she was conversing, que lo tenía que utilizar con alguien. She's been doing the conversation-only classes. And now that she's eight, I know that she speaks Spanish. I've interviewed her in Spanish. It's not a perfect Spanish. But now she goes in and out of both languages. And I'm okay with that. Because 
For me, my goal for her was for her to be able to communicate with my mom, with her abuelos. That was like my number one priority. And I said, well, if she becomes fluent, that would be amazing. But if she's not like a perfect Spanish speaker, that's okay. Like I'm fine with that proficiency. So now it's pretty cool because I speak to her in both languages effortlessly in and out. Le puedo hablar en español y me responde. A veces cuando le da la gana me responde en español. <laughs> Y a veces en inglés. Y a veces ella solo me habla en español y yo le sigo la conversación en español. O sea, no tenemos esa presión. I took a lot of the pressure off. And when I took a lot of that pressure off, I saw more results. I was okay with my expectation. So I always say, what is your level of your expectation for proficiency for your child? Because some people are okay with just basic. If you're okay with basic, then it doesn't matter que el vecino habla perfectamente español o chino o lo que quiera hablar. If you're okay with your child having some knowledge, that's okay. But if you want your child to be fluent, que lea, que hable, que escriba en español or whatever language that they're learning, then are you putting enough effort for your child to become fluent, for, to meet your expectation? That's very important. Absolutely. I think in order for the child to be able to meet your expectations, I think you have to offer as much as possible. Now that you said all this, I do think that I haven't gotten to the point where I thought about proficiency, for example, in writing, because I haven't gotten that far yet. But yes, I think that now that he's going to start learning to write, I think that, of course, I would love for him to start learning how to write in Spanish. So I think that's a little task that I will put myself upon in the next few years. But I mean, I'm aware that the skill is transferable through languages. But I mean, if we want them to have like a good spelling, maybe a little bit of work, it might be required. I guess. So one thing that worked for me very well was when my daughter, when I was teaching her how to read and when she was starting to write, anything that she did in school, I mimicked at home, pero en español. She was writing like the alphabet in school, then I would have her write the alphabet in español. If she was learning like the days of the week in English, yo le hacía la misma canción, se la hacía en español. So she would have like almost parallel learning English. And I think for her at least, It was very easy and she picked up like the reading and the writing pretty quickly. Now I would like for her to do more writing. Like she's very good at reading. She's very good at reading. She's very good at spelling. But for me, like the whole sentence structure, that part right now, I feel like is missing a little bit or isn't as strong. So that's where I would like to put focus. But yeah, again, if you can do it effortlessly or simultaneously, I think it'd be good. Absolutely. I, I completely agree with you. Stephanie, thank you so much. We're going to do a fast round of questions coming up. We are back and it is a show tradition that we ask our guests the same round of questions. Stephanie, this is your fast round of questions. Let's go. What is your biggest struggle as a mom? To not lose myself, to try to stay centered, and try to offer my children safe attachment style. Very good. What is the best piece of advice that you've gotten from a mom or your mom? The best advice, don't be too hard on yourself because at the beginning of my motherhood, I was beating myself up because I wanted to be the perfect mom. I wanted to do everything by the book. And very quickly, I realized that that was not me. And I started relaxing and And I believe that doing works best for you and not comparing yourself to other parents is the best advice I've ever gotten. 
And every time I hear it, I'm like, yes, absolutely. Just be yourself and do what's best for your child. Amen. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. What Latino dish would you like to pass down to your children and why? I guess it's very close to my heart, the chilaquiles that I ate in Mexico growing up. And I tried to make them, but without spicy for them. And my son doesn't like the texture. So hopefully he will grow into it (laughs) as he grows up. That's so hard because like there are things that I love that my daughter Victoria hates. And I'm like, no. It's like, why? It's so good. You know, why? I'm like, I need to pass down something that she likes. But everything that I love, she's like, and hopefully as she gets older, like maybe her taste buds will change. But I'm like, no te gustan las arepas, no te gusta el aguacate, what? Yes, it's like, it's, they're so good, arepas, aguacate, what? Why? No, I know, I know the struggle. My son is very picky. Funny. What Hispanic home remedy do you swear by? Always speak paporru. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> it works. Like in every Latino household, there's big spaporu. <laughs> okay, what has been a piece of financial advice that has helped you grow as a Latina? I think that my father always taught me how to save money and how to be conscious about how I actually spent it. And I think because I don't want to be oversaving money and overthinking where I'm going to spend my money and where I'm going to invest or not, but being conscientious about the fact that we always have to have a safe net in case something happens and not have this bad relationship with money about, oh, I cannot spend it. Being grateful for what you have and always be grateful with money and and save a little bit for, you know, like we say in French for the mauvaise journée, for the rainy day. Yes, indeed. A good balance, right? Yes. Stephanie, what would you like your legacy to be? Honestly, I want my children to remember that the most important thing is to be grateful. And in order to be happy, you just have to be grateful for what you have today. And always, always, always work towards your dreams and what makes you happy, but thinking as well that you have to have a balance with what society teaches you and with what makes you happy. Because in the end, we live in a society and somehow we have to mingle with everyone and always have a balance into being happy and doing what suits better for you in order to just blossom and bloom. I love that. Stephanie, thank you so much for being on today's show. Where can people connect with you? Well, I'll be happy to have anyone around in my Instagram. It's at Malaya underscore BXL, like Brussels in French, BXL. Can you spell that out for us? Yes, it's at M-A-L-E-I-A underscore BXL. So if anyone wants to leave a DM, I'll be happy to talk a little bit about anything, life coaching, cacao ceremonies, multilingual journeys, multicultural exchange, anything. So if you'd like to hit me up, please don't hesitate. There you have it. That is how you can connect with Stephanie. Stephanie, thank you so much for being on and sharing your multilingual and multicultural parenting journey with us today. Thank you very much for having me. And I enjoyed it a lot. Thank you for the conversation, the exchange. I'm very happy to be here today. And I hope it sparks something in someone to just enjoy these beautiful journeys that we're in. Indeed. Indeed. Thank you again. 
Thank you, Stephanie, for sharing your family's experience raising multilingual children. Here are the episode's biggest takeaways on how to make language learning more effortless. One, the more exposure your child gets of a language or languages, the more likely they are to engage and even passively learn the language. Two, using language as a natural part of your daily life and in your daily activities provides the child opportunities to use and engage with the language too. Three, make it fun for the child. Four, take the pressure off yourself and your child. Finally, know that every child is different and while some children may be exposed to the same environments, they may pick up languages at a different pace. Give them time to develop naturally. A special thank you to this episode's show sponsor, The Language Grove. Remember, you can get 10% off tuition for the first six months when you mention the Latina Mom legacy. The Language Grove is the only all-Spanish immersion preschool program located in North Hills, California. The Language Grove, where learning comes alive in Spanish. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Latina Mom Legacy podcast. Como siempre, mil gracias. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me on Instagram at the Latina Mom Legacy or at Mi Legacy. You can also sign up for La Lisa and stay up to date with everything that's going on by simply clicking on the show notes in your podcast platform or visit the latinamomlegacy.com and click on today's episode. You'll also find links to today's recommendations and show special. Finally, want to support this podcast? The best way to show your support is to write a review. Reviews are a way the podcast can get visibility and power other moms like you to connect, create, and carry on our Latinx heritage. Un beso, un abrazo, y hasta la próxima. Ciao, ciao. What do you want your legacy to be?